That's how it all gets started here at the Rusted Nail Speakeasy. Just one drink. Welcome to Cross the Line 1524. We're recording with a live audience as usual. Sit back, relax, and join Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, and myself, Alan Stanger, for the Common Man's Podcast. Cross the Line 1524. So welcome to Cross the Line 1524. I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. And we're the 15 side. Jeff Montag. Mike Gardner. And we're the 24 we're the side. 24 side. So Mike's a stand-in for us. Uh, he couldn't make... Uh, Ruben couldn't make it down here. We're on... It's a beautiful day in Louisville, Kentucky. We've got a... We, we're at the Little Havana Cigar and Tasting Bar. Is that correct? That's real. That's it. Right there. We'd like to introduce Mr. Stephen Fonte. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. Doing well. Just enjoying the hell out of having a decent day. It's not raining in Kentucky. It's not snowing in Kentucky. It's clear skies. It's beautiful today. So everybody knows we left Indiana this morning. It was six degrees on a thermometer in town. And it's probably in the 20s here now, but it's awesome. Stephen's got this outside gazebo. He's got a wood stove. He's got a propane heater. He's got a fire going. We got cigars. We got bourbon. It don't get much better. It don't get no better. So for those of you who listen to our podcast regularly, you probably have heard us talk about Stephen and the tasting we did with Batesville Liquor Co. uh, when we did the barrel pick. Um, So we've kept in contact with Stephen. I said, hey, man, we want to do a podcast with you. He says, well, come down to my place. So we scheduled her out, and here we are. You gotta be careful what you tell us. We'll show up at your door. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you did it. He yeah. was just kidding. He didn't I was think like, we'd take actually him out there. <laughs> he got fun- the phone call. He's like, well, "Oh shoot!" I told That's him funny. That. So I posted on Facebook last night. We were headed down here, and the boys from Two Shots on a Barrel right away. Uh, J-Bo, he uh, posted, "Hey, give me a call. We'll catch up." <laughs> so five minutes later, I gave him a call. It went straight to voicemail. So I said, "Hey, man, you told me to call. Careful what you wish for." Oh, so Stephen obviously is a, uh, we'll call him our go-to bourbon guy. He's the uh, ambassador, I guess we'll say, for uh, Limestone Branch Distillery, where uh, Yellowstone comes out of, uh, minor case, and then they also have gins that come out of there, I believe. Um, but he has a storied history. It's not all about bourbon. That's not where it started. No, it so is not. give us your background, your history before before we met you last year. Give us your history up until then. Uh, quick history. I was in the chemical spray business. When I uh, got out of high school, I went to work for Mark Nethery. Uh, not Mark. I went to work for Mark Tillett, a friend of my brother's with Trinity High School. Now, Mark Tillett and Leo Fonte and Stephen Beam went to the same high school together, Trinity High School. I don't know what's the matter with any one of them. I went to St. X. <laughs> but they all got dropped somewhere along the way. And so as uh, as I got to know my brother's friends, which, you know, as a youngster, that's what happened, you know, little brother. Sure. I got to know Stephen Beam when I was like seven. And uh, he'd hang out at the house. And uh, I went into the chemical spray business with Mark Tillett, and I, and I helped him open his very first branch operations. I think I was 26 years old, Lexington, Kentucky. 
I opened up custom turf care for him, and I built that business. He uh, he sold the place for $3.8 million. Uh, I say to myself, I made my first millionaire when I was 26. Wasn't me, but I made somebody <laughs> make it. Damn it. But you I, made it. I made it. And then I went to work for John Connie Coffee Company, and I, I came back to Louisville, Kentucky, to the west end of Louisville, and I had a route there. I was a route salesman, then went into sales, and then I was the national sales manager for John Connie Coffee Company when I had sold Con T Ice Tea to all the White Castle locations and coffee to all the White Castles. Uh, it was an interesting run, spending some time with some great people, some great entrepreneurs. Each one of those general managers for White Castle was their own region, or presidents of their region. Incredible. Gave me the opportunity to give a lot of presentations. And what do you do in the bourbon industry? You do a lot of presentations. So if you wonder where the presentation portion of it came from, it was walking into president's offices and give them a, giving them a stellar class presentation on coffee and tea. So I was a tea sommelier for John Connie Coffee Company, and I built a tea program up. And then uh, I left there, short stint at technical service, and then I'm off to Consumer's Choice Coffee Company, where I'm Golden Cup certified, the highest certification in coffee cupping, nosing, tasting, brewing standards. So I'm a Golden Cup certified trainer through the Specialty Coffee Association of America. My brother knows more about it in his pinky than I've ever thought about knowing. He was the president of the Specialty Coffee Association, multiple terms. He has Fonte's Coffee down the street with all the artisan coffee roasting. He makes Michter's Coffee. He makes Yellowstone Coffee. He makes coffees for most of the big distilleries out there, all infused with their bourbons. And, uh, I'm liking that. He knows how he to did. do it, and he knows how to that. do it right. We made Maker's Mark Coffee originally, and... Uh, and that was the process that we developed decades ago on how to make good bourbon coffee not only taste like coffee, but have that hint and wonderfulness that bourbon gives almost everything. So only because I've been listening to a couple other bourbon podcasts, and they talked about bourbon-infused coffee. Did you put the beans in when they were still green? No. 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 The best way to flavor a, a roasted coffee is roasted. you got to roast it to bring all the oils and characteristics out of it. What happens during the roast? 98% of the water weight's lost during the roasting process. Right, huh? What happens? You spray that right after it comes off the second crack. It sucks it right back sucks in. Sucks it right back in. You take your Yellowstone bourbon and flavor it up, spray it across it, use a little extract, some of that flavor extract that gives it that nose, and uh, and now you've got the bourbon and the nose all together in the coffee. Nice. <laughs> That's interesting. Good stuff. That's good. So how would you get from there? to bourbon downsized like all good corporate america does they just downsize you and say ha you've done such a great job for us see you later uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i told beam i said i'm going to get on my intercoastal trawler i'm going to go towards cincinnati i'm not coming back i'm retiring unless you got a job for me and he said oh shit and so i get a call the next day he says i got something for you so come in town. Come in town. To, come on. Come on to the distillery tomorrow. I got a thing I want to show you. So what is it? The Campbell family's coming down. Who the hell are they? Were they on moon pies? You ever ate a moon pie? Oh, I yeah. have eaten moon pie. Oh, yeah. Chattanooga Bakery. The Campbell family's coming to the distillery. What are they coming for? They want to make a moonshine. 
Can you put a presentation together? Sure, I can put a presentation together. So I slapped the presentation together with some of the history of the distillery. I had all the pictures of the distillery. I had lots of stuff because I hired and contracted the photographer from Churchill Downs to photograph the opening of the distillery and pro provide all of those pictures to him because all the way back then in 2011, I knew and I'd already told him twice I wanted to work for him. So I want to be in the distilling industry. My biggest clients were always Brown Foreman Corporation. In the coffee industry, Brown Foreman was my client. 36 coffee kitchens across the entire campus. I knew everybody on Brown Foreman's staff. From the president, from Owsley Brown Frazier, Owsley Brown, to the Browns, to the, you name it. A lot of good people at Brown Foreman. And that's the old Forester. What did my daddy drink when he was in the bar business, the Delta Bar and Lounge, downtown Louisville, one of the first whiskey bars in the state of Kentucky? Well, he drank Old Forrester and ginger ale. I got pictures of him. So that's that Old Forrester stuff that's in the hallway yeah, in nice. my office in there. Yeah, that's cool. That's my father's stuff. So we got to tell you, for our listeners, we just walked through the coolest bachelor pad you'd ever see. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we could spend hours in there just looking at stuff. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's absolutely. Awesome. From all the different bourbon bottles, old bourbon bottles, and just the photos. I mean, he, you just feel like you could just sit down, grab bourbon, and just chill out and just be totally comfortable. It's, it's great. It happens. <laughs> yeah, I it when, does. A, when a plan comes together, <laughs> yeah. you know it. Wanted to make a moonshine bourbon. Yeah, well, they wanted to make a moonshine flavored in their flavor characteristics of their top selling oh, the top three gotcha. vanilla banana and chocolate okay and we did the chocolate moonshine and if you walk through that hallway and look up at the wall you see where we won the world liqueur award for the moon pie chocolate moonshine now that's pretty damned impressive that is in the first two years of making it mr beam had already won the world liqueur award he gave it to me because i sold like thirty thousand cases of it that year Dang. And 30,000 cases is as much as any bourbon brand. A lot of bourbon brands would be proud to have 30,000 cases sure. sold. So he, he thought that was an accomplishment that I needed to have that up on my wall in my house. Pretty so, awesome. Pretty awesome. Fun stuff. It is. Yeah. It is. So it, from there? From, from there, I was uh, deployed. I like to look at it as deployments. <laughs> I've been deployed a lot. <laughs> they deployed me down to Tennessee. Where are you going to sell moonshine? Well, Hills of Tennessee. You're going to go south. Yep. You're not going to go east to sell moonshine. Go south. South Carolina, Alabama, Louisiana, Georgia, and Mississippi, I set up the distribution path for Limestone Branch Distillery. I met with all the presidents and CEOs of all those distribution companies and gave them a presentation that blew them away. And they brought in all that moonshine, which they did not like to do because moonshine takes up shelf space. And things that sell are what they want in their stores, not stuff that doesn't sell. It's, you can't create shelf space. you got the same footprint you always have. Yep. So it's always a struggle to come in and sell them a moonshine. But this was premium, traditional Appalachian moonshine, the sugar shine. Done the old-fashioned ways. Who do you think came to Mr. Bean wanting to take his moonshine legal? Tim Smith off the show Moonshiners. Yep. He made Climax <laughs> Moonshine, and he made it better. Great pot stills, controlled circumstances. Once I learned how moonshine was traditionally made out of creek beds and waterways and cows shitting in it, 
<laughs> I decided, you know what? Legal moonshine's the only way I want to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But done the way they did it back in the hills with the controlled circumstance and the reverse osmosis water they didn't have and all the fine equipment that we had. So 80-gallon hogshead wine barrels. And when I was in town, if he was making a mash, if he was doing a distillation and he needed help, he looked for everybody else on the staff but me. But if that's what was left, he would bring me over and I would do exactly what he said, not touch anything he didn't. <laughs> he really worried about me blowing the place up. <laughs> he said, this guy knows how to talk about it, and that's all he needs to do. Keep him off the stills. Keep him away from anything. That, that stuff, could, with the, I mean, it will. It's yeah. it problems. Yeah, it's a... Uh, we are brewing kind of a little bomb. It is kind of, sort of. Yeah. yeah. So as we're talking to Stephen, we're we've got some mi- uh, the minor case rye whiskey from Limestone Branch. This is good. Yeah. Good we, have, did we do a tasting at the Speakeasy with this? No, I don't not think this. we have it. No. We, we have so. it there. We'll, we'll do a do well, a blind tasting with it. I'll say yeah, that. it is good. <laughs> yeah. And Stephen, yeah, I good. believe, is drinking uh, off hours. He is off. Drinking yeah. So um, enjoying it, it too. Yeah. Whoever made that did a good job. Yeah, so that's from, um, actually, he grew up in our area. He lives out in California now. He does now. So that's uh yeah, He flew he, into their liquor store and he, did a bottle signing he, Thursday, bottle and that's one of them from that. I bet his arms signing. were tired. Yeah, yeah that's a long absolutely. flight. Absolutely. <laughs> it's cold, too. <laughs> you get them California boys in this kind of weather, they freak out a little bit. They get all nervous. Well, he's an Indiana boy. He okay, then he he's okay. Home, but his, he knows weather better than I do. His blood's been yeah, thinned out. He's been in California for a while. So where are you while. originally from, Stephen? Right here. Born and raised in the highlands of Louisville. My grandfather built the majority of these houses. Awesome. On the back street, Fern Street, right behind us, I had an uncle that lived there, great uncle. He got hit out in front of Stockman's Bar, which is now Chow Restaurant. Uh, Model A. And that yeah, tells you how long ago. the family's been in this neighborhood. And then uh, Hilrick and Bradsby's Bat Company, Mr. Hilrick's house, was built by my grandfather, custom built, all custom designed. It's pretty incredible stuff that my grandfather did in building, and he impacted this city dramatically. I've got uh, Four generations on the Fonte family and seven generations on the Bird family that have been in Louisville, Kentucky, in my family history, which I didn't even know that my mother's side of the family ever lived in Louisville, but it makes sense because everybody that came from the East Coast stopped at the falls. Yeah. And then they ended up staying. Yeah. Taking everything off the boat to take it down below the falls and get it back. So my sixth great-grandfather was a harbor master off of Sand Island which is Evan Williams' old job. So at that time, he had a roadhouse down at 8th and Main. And they say that he had some of the best kill game, and that's why his roadhouse was always packed, because he had some of the best food in his roadhouse. Huh. And he was managing the harbor, where they would reload the boats and send them on down. Nice. Yeah, it's cool stuff that my cousin found for me and uh, blew me away. My mom lived here like she was a, an import that she uh, had no family here. She was brought here from Oklahoma, peanut farms. And uh, so agriculture has been in our family f- for decades. And I feel like my entire life I've been in agriculture. The chemical lawn care business, I was spraying weeds. I had to understand agriculture. I went with Dr. A.J. Powell, turf, glass, turf grass classes 
at University of Kentucky, one of the finest turf grass specialists in the world. I took classes through A.J. Powell when I was spraying lawns and doing chemical spray and fertilization, understanding fertilizer and how it affects. And then I moved into coffee, agriculture, where it's grown, how it's grown, heights of elevation that it's grown out, how it's harvested. Peanuts from when I was back in a kid out on the farm in Oklahoma, my Uncle Claude's peanut farm, 100 acres, 100 square acres of peanuts. Crazy. A lot of peanuts. I never realized peanuts were grown in Oklahoma. And they're not a nut. That's true, yeah. Nothing like fresh roasted peanuts in the oven straight off of the farm. Pick that day. That's Ooh. pretty awesome stuff. I bet. Huh. My grandparents moved to California. They were in the vi vineyard business in California, Napa Valley, Healdsburg. And so I got a chance to see my Uncle Glenn working Sandy Vineyards, managing it, and out in the vines, throwing dirt clods at my brothers, and how he <laughs> harvested all that wine and how much those vines, how expensive they were and how well-treated they were. And, uh, you know, it just makes sense that uh, bourbon yeah. is an agricultural product. Yeah. And the proper grains make a big difference in the flavor characteristics. The distillation method makes a huge difference. You get into micro, for each distillery, it has its own microclimates. So if I took a bourbon distillate from one distillery and I distilled the exact same grains the exact same way off of different equipment in a different location with a different water supply and a different environment, am I going to get the same thing that I got? Now, that's called not. flavor drift. You're not going to get the same thing. You don't think about Not that, you know. You don't. Well, you don't think about that. You think about Kentucky, you know, say Bardstown. You know, you think geographically that should all be the same. But yeah, now you you can get close. You can get but close. You're not going to be yeah. exact. Right. Yeah, the, the, the distillery is, or the, the the distillery itself is is a different different metal, from a different time period. You yeah. run it off a of pot stills at our distillery. How often do you clean a pot still? Daily. How often do you clean a column still? Yearly. Yearly, yeah. yeah. You're going to get a different flavor characteristic out of a pot still that's been cleaned daily than you are a big distillery running off the Exxon Valdez. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Do I like big distillery's juice? A lot. Yep. Do I drink it? Daily. Yeah. <laughs> it's just different. <laughs> well, and you talk about that, and even when you get in the, the bourbon industry and talk about the change of flavor just in the rack house, just in different areas of the rack house at different temperatures, right? It is amazing what a barrel of whiskey on the same date added to a rickhouse on the fifth floor versus the first floor, how much difference in characteristics you're going to get out of that barrel. It's huge. And that's why single barrels are so popular is because they have their own unique and different characteristic. They're not a national brand. They're not blended together to blend out all of that difference. Right. A national brand, what you're worried about is that somebody buys a bottle of it in Florida and buys the same bottle of it in Texas, and they get the same flavor characteristics off of it. doesn't matter where they buy it, they get the same flavor. That's the most important thing on a national brand is consistency. Right. You don't have to be the best bourbon whiskey in the world. You just got to be really consistent because those people that are endeared to you, they want that flavor characteristic. Right. Right. That's why the single barrels are catching on a lot. You can't go into a liquor store and find a Pappy Van Winkle. I don't care how much weekly vodka you buy. <laughs> you go into a liquor store and you find a Pappy Van Winkle, oh my gosh, what a, what a find. 
but you can go into any liquor store that has the sense ability to buy single barrels and find something ever so flavorful as a Pappy Van Winkle ever thought about being. Agreed. And you buy those exactly. single barrel picks and you find yourself into a different realm of artisan distilling. Back in the days when it was seven major distilleries, this wasn't happening because they put out their juice. They were just right. pumping around. This is your juice. juice. This is what you get. Now that the craft distilleries have opened up, that's changed the game. Now you're seeing a lot of single barrel picks happening. I do two a day. Every day. Just about. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. I'm doing barrel picks. Sometimes three a day. Looking for a Heisen side-by-side or ATV? How about a youth model Tau-Tau quad or dirt bike? Stop by Hoosier Power Sports at 7892 Schumann Road in St. Leon, Indiana, or visit our website at HoosierPowerSports.com for the latest inventory. We are the Tri-State's largest Heisen and Tau-Tau sales and service center with a large selection in stock all the time. Don't shop the other guys who just want you to leave a deposit and maybe you'll get a side-by-side sometime this year. We've got plenty in stock all the time. Hoosier Power Sports at 7892 Schumann Road in St. Leon, Indiana, or visit our website at HoosierPowerSports.com. One of our favorite sponsors here at Cross the Line 1524 is Batesville Liquor Co. and Tebby Liquor. I tell you what, you can't go wrong there. You buy a, a mix and match spirits there, a case, guess what, Dwayne? What's that? You get 10% off. Holy cow. You know what? Uh, What's that? If you got a special spirit or wine or beer that you want, like our great listener, Carrie Taylor, you know what he did? What's that? He called him. Guess what we got here at the bar? Well, I seen that. We did a nice little taste testing here a couple weeks ago. That's right. Cleveland Underground had him special order. Bring him out to us. It was awesome. Do a lot of barrel picks. Unfortunately, over the holidays, the Remus, the New Riff, and Maker's Mark Private Selection sold out. Yeah, you better hurry out there if you're looking for something special or you're looking for one of the barrel picks. Uh, there's some new releases that came out in December. You got the Yellowstone, the Ezra Brooks, the Off Hours, and the Knob Creek. I'm sure they're going to be right behind the other three that sold out. Yeah, I, you just can't beat it. It's great they do tastings there. You can taste all the barrel picks that they've done. Still available from barrel picks that they did earlier. Jefferson, the Maddie Gladden, William Dalton, Bullet. Old 55, Rossville Rye, and Pillar Rum. You know, Pillar Rum, that's from down in Key West. Down there where we, we spent a week down there oh, this yeah. year. Good stuff. Good stuff. And it's the last call for the Lee Sinclair. Now. Yeah, that's great, Alan. I, isn't that where we're going down to French Lick to uh, Alan Bishop to do a podcast here in a week or so? That's right. Alan Bishop down in French Lick, Indiana. Well, he's got two things going for him. He's got Alan and he's almost got Bischoff. He's so. almost got Bischoff. <laughs> So, Batesville Liquor Co., Batesville, Indiana, Tebby Liquors right here in Brookville, Indiana. We mentioned Knob Creek as one of the new releases in December. Uh, That was actually selected by law enforcement folks there in Batesville, Indiana. A donation from every bottle goes to the Batesville Police Department. Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana, and Tebby Liquor in Brookville, Indiana. Go check them out. Did you know that beef jerky is packed with protein and is considered a healthy snack? Check out Stanger Sugar Shack Gourmet Beef Jerky. 100% pure beef with no fillers or additive. MSG free and most flavors are gluten free. If you're eating jerky that has a reddish tint to it, 
give us a try and see what gourmet jerky tastes like. Our cuts of meat are from the brisket, not ground up, not processed, pure 100% beef. Our flavors include maple pepper, our original lakeside brisket. We have ghost pepper flavor. We have blazing beef sriracha flavor. Gotta try our speakeasy bourbon, our campfire barbecue, and our totally teriyaki flavor. Our favorite though is our old fashioned maple bacon jerky. That's right, we have maple bacon jerky. You can find all of our jerky at all the Gilman Home Center stores throughout Indiana and Ohio, at the Easy Stop Fuel Mart, State Route 46 in St. Leon, Indiana, and of course online at StangerSugarShack.com. Use discount code 1524 to receive a special 10% discount on any online order. Stanger Sugar Shack Gourmet Jerky. What's well, kind of like we saw when we came down to do be. the barrel pick, too? I mean, how many barrels? We had nine... Nine, it was three barrels, three barrels, but three different, three different proofs. But you're looking at that, going, okay, you know, and you're trying to pick the best one. But at the end of the day, you could have picked any one of those nine and been a good, a good a barrel pick. pick. Right. You know, it's just that then it becomes taste what you prefer that day, what but, characteristic you like. Right. Out of but that. every one of them was good in its own right. Yeah, so right. You, sure. you, it was a winner no matter what you did. But I attribute that to a seventh generation being picking the barrels out of the rickhouse tasting through stuff and choosing it for the barrel program right right exactly. i only found one stinker and i'll probably 250 picks yeah and i sent right. that stinker back to be blended in with thousands of gallons of juice <laughs> yep. we didn't waste it you can fix it but it wasn't uh <laughs> wasn't up it, to standard it wasn't up to the standard of doing a single barrel pick yeah, yeah so I, we sent that one time right now, that's pretty extraordinary right there like that day we did it, I mean, I know there was three or four of them that, to me, would have been – it was a hard choice between it. Right. But, you know, you you, got, you narrowed us down with your expertise and, and teaching us how to taste it. But, you know, other than that, if I'd have went through it, there's three or four that I could have said, yeah, I'd sure. take either one of those home. Yep. And the fun part about it is picking the proof. Most of the people never think about the fact that proof influences the flavor characteristics yep. of a barrel of whiskey as much as the master distiller or the barrel house manager. Yeah, see, that was the biggest surprise for me. Right. Was the, the, I mean, you had three different proofs, and each proof had a different flavor characteristic to it. Right. Well, I liked it at 102 because at right. 102 it was mask, yeah. and it well, had honestly, all the great I, flavor characteristics. Yeah. But when you got up to 109, you turn the volume out, and now the bad characteristics start showing in that barrel. Right. You get to 115, and they really show up. The barrel next to it that's weak and watery at 102 that you didn't like now shows its head at 109. By the time you get to 115, oh, the angels yeah. are singing. Yeah. There was one of one of those barrels was that way for that, me. That's yep. exactly yeah. right. Me too. Yep. yep. Yeah, it was surprising that, you know, when you found out what the proof was, you taste it not really knowing the proof or thinking about it, but then when you realize it's like, holy cow, that's that's a lot of proof, but it's really good. So give us a little history of Yellowstone bourbon. Oh, that's fun. Uh, Bernard Dant. The J.W. Dance son, Bernard, thought they needed some new technology. That's the way I look at it. Because J.W. Dant distilled his first run off a poplar tree. A tree he fell, hollowed split in two, poplar. hollowed out, copied in, fermented off of, and distilled off a log. That's getting it done. His second run off a pot still in Olympic, something that he probably created himself because J.W. Dant was a fabricator. So some of the finest whiskey to ever come out of the state of Kentucky was when J.W. Dant was over near Loretta, Distilling off a log. His son decided they needed that new technology. He built Cold Spring Distillery 
and he built it in Gethsemane, Kentucky, on a train line. The previous distillery wasn't on a train line. You had to wait for the water to come up, and you put your barrels out on flat boats, took it out down toward the river, and then, you know, you had to time all this stuff to get it down to where you needed it to go. So if the, if the train came through, well, that's a whole lot easier way to move bourbon on that train. So the old Trump distillery was in Gethsemane, Kentucky already, and that was Minor Case Beam's distillery. Minor Case Beam was Jim Beam's first cousin. Minor Case Beam had the old Trump distillery in Gethsemane making old Trump whiskey. He can't make that shit up. <laughs> and he was in direct competition with his first cousin. His first cousin, Colonel James Beauregard Beam himself. Jim Beam was over in Claremont making old tub whiskey, and his cousin was over in Gethsemane making some great rye whiskeys. Now, after Prohibition, Cold Spring was introduced. It might have been before Prohibition. Those dates are confusing to me. It was confusing to me that they were even on the same street until Steve Beam took me over to the hallowed grounds of Gethsemane, Kentucky, and I walked the distillery properties, and I got to see where the Cold Spring distillery had been. Nothing but a pad left where they had the stills bolted down to it. And then the old Trump distillery still had ruins. We took some tin off the building and made a bridge out of it. And that tin, we guarantee you that Jim Beam and Minor Case Beam had some juice together. How the heck would two cousins not get together and have a pour in their own damn distilleries? <laughs> and then all the other family members for generations down, there's Guy Beam, the master distiller of Fairfield, which was their grandfather. You got seven generation beams that built this place. But the fun part about it is, though they were beams their entire life, their mother was a dant the whole time. The boys weren't born, they were distilled. <laughs> so that great Uncle Bernard's distillery, Jada, well, Bernard Dance Distillery in Cold Spring made what? Well, he made some great whiskey to start off with, and he had this wrecked fire called Taylor and Williams in Louisville, Kentucky, that uh, had a salesperson, somebody like myself. I consider myself a salesperson above and beyond everything else. Yeah. And that salesperson, Charles Townsend, was coming through Wyoming in 1872. That'd be horseback. Took a minute to get back to Kentucky. When he got back, he had a buzz. <laughs> he said, Bernard, you got to name a bourbon after this park out west. It's getting worldwide attention. You name a bourbon Yellowstone, and you're going to be quite successful in that brand. It overtook everything else he was making. They changed the name of the distillery from Cold Spring to the Yellowstone Distillery. And that distillant. The old Trump distillery was sitting in ruin. Minor Case Beam passed away 115 days after Prohibition was abolished, sitting there, ruined. They took it over and started running Yellowstone through both columns. I don't think that they had a column, actually, at, uh, at the old Trump. Uh, there was a, I saw where they, we went down and took some burner plates out. It was coal-fired. Seems to me like it was uh, a pot that they were working off of. But uh, that would be a story for Mr. Bean. It's his family. I like to remind him. Remember, I just talk about you guys. I didn't grow up with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the beams and the dance have a storied history, obviously. It's, yeah, it's, it is amazing that two families kind of were the whiskey industry. Yeah. What's <laughs> happening on the Cold Springs property right now? What's happening on the old Trump distillery property right now? Well, that's uh, 
that would be uh, Wally some, and Charles and Dan, yeah. some resurrection going Those on. Those Dan boys are down there making whiskey. Absolutely. Can you believe this? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Huh? A $100 million distillery <laughs> build. They got a 2,500-seat amphitheater. Yep. And when you're sitting in that amphitheater and you're looking at Thomas Rhett, or any of those other yeah. Nashville famous artists that Wally's friends with. Right. Playing in his amphitheater. What are you looking at just past the stage? The original distillery. The old Trump yeah. ruin with a little tin missing off of it. Log still <laughs> distillery. I hear looking for the guy that <laughs> yeah. took that tin. They're looking for that tin. They were not, uh, Wally yeah. was talking Wally's about that. They were still for looking for it that It was guy. a red pickup truck, and I think it had beam on the back end of it. <laughs> so we were actually, the week we did the... Uh, weekend we did the barrel pick with you at yellowstone was the first weekend they had music at the amphitheater yeah and we were staying in the guest house there we well, were seeing how you, are, you yeah. know what that guest house was that was a beam house yeah at can, one time can you believe that uh guy beam steve's grandfather the master distiller of the fairfield distillery and mike dant the president of taylor and williams got married on that porch to the birch sisters same porch same preacher Saves on your bourbon costumes. There, 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 there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we actually got to meet. Well, that was when the the family that we met, their dad was hired. That's to, when Shenley had bought Shenley it. Shenley had bought it. They, their family, her dad was hired to close it down. Um, and they were actually staying there they that weekend, there for too. a long yeah, time. They lived yeah. there through the 60s yeah. and until that cool? Yeah, it was really yeah. cool to hear their stories. The Batchers? Yeah, and, Batchers and, and it just so happened yeah. that weekend we were down there. Again, it was the kickoff for the music venue. <laughs> right. We got to talk with uh, Wally and Charles Dant uh, with our podcast. And then we found out that this the family who lived there through the 60s until 1972 when they when they closed the place up was there visiting and staying in they were staying uh, in the little in the little chalet the cabin that behind the house behind yeah. the house yep. yeah because so, the house was already booked because we had so already booked, we the, booked house. the house up. Yeah. <laughs> i like that so it just all fell together on the lake. Yeah. right on the lake Absolutely. i was gonna in stay fact, someplace i'd stay in the lower unit right yep. there on the lake yep. the one bedroom it's just right on the lake. It, it is. is beautiful. Fact, beautiful. The one beautiful. guy was fishing every morning, took his fishing pole out. Yep. Yeah. I think I'd do the same. Yep. That's a great idea. But, yeah, that was a great weekend. We got to talk to all of them and then got to talk to that family and listen to their stories when they were growing up, you know, and things that happened and just the, the history of that place. You Wanted, heard the latest? No. What's that? Chef Danielson. Yes, oh, I yes, did. Oh, yes, I yeah. just did see that. Yeah. Churchill Downs, executive chef. The Old Stone Inn, executive chef, is now... Log Stills, executive chef. Yeah, I mean that restaurant op- opens yep. up and it's going to be that great. Vittles, they're doing some amazing yeah, be good stuff. Kentucky good. Vittles. That's oh, what it'll we're be. All, yeah. We're already contemplating our next trip. We, we're right going to rent there. the. We're going to rent the, the house again. The, big ha- the, the, mansion. the mansion. Yeah, the mansion next time. Yeah. So what I we're sitting around here drinking bourbon, smoking cigars, putting our ashes in a. Uh, <laughs> in a mosquito a, killer that. It's the Cutter Mosquito Killer candle thing. What I've realized. When the ashes get in that wax, they get coated and burn even more. So it's not a candle anymore. It's a freaking torch. <laughs> it's almost its own little heater there on top of it. Yeah. Nope. That bottle of Miner Case, when I grabbed it to refill, was pretty warm. Because believe you me, <laughs> believe you me, it isn't warm enough out here for that thing to be scaring yeah. off any mosquitoes. Yeah, there's no mosquitoes out <laughs> here. There's no mosquitoes. But it's got a nice flame. We've learned how to turn one into yeah. a blowtorch. <laughs> yeah, so actually talking about staying down there at uh in that house, we went the next day is when you guys released. Uh, yeah. Oh, 20, yeah, because we went back. The 2021. 21. Pick. Yeah. We and so back. Steve was there. He goes, yeah, that used to be a beam house. I'm like, yeah. We got a few signed bottles from that day, yep. too. Nice. A bunch of signed bottles. 
But, of course, the, the topper of the weekend was the Yellowstone uh, barrel pick. Yes. With... Uh, with you, so that was that was a great experience for me. I mean, I think all of us we, we talked about it. that for a long time, we, I, and we still talk about it frequently on our <laughs> podcast about that whole experience with you of going through that barrel pick. And we've got listeners that are now doing their tastings based on what, what we've told them about about your educating us on on the on the right way to do a a, a bourbon tasting. So I got so. Uh, involved that i decided to become a bourbon steward god bless you yeah. son so you know it's it's there's so much in, a lot of people just go and throw some bourbon and some coke and drink it you don't know what you're you're missing yeah so he's coming after your job i think i don't think that's gonna go out <laughs> that's not gonna go out that's not gonna go out i think you're gonna need your thong that's gonna be hot yeah that's probably a little warm you're gonna you need that hey i know what we can do this is good stuff, guys. This is Kentucky Ingenuity. All right. Put some water on I'm going to step back. Put some water on it? No, you don't want the water on it. Why not? Because you'll, you'll spread grease. Won't it be great? That. No, it's going to be scary. It's going to be a you blast. You can blow it up. You're it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. Now we're talking. Oh, gosh. He's got the, yeah, well, I, go. I ought to get video of this so that uh, people can see crazy. what we're doing. Watch the dog. We don't want evidence. Oh, yeah. You want me to hold that up? We can't have any evidence. No photographic evidence. Look at there. All right. So it's a whole other fire pit. Yeah, we got a, a little fire pit going. Yeah, don't set it on the grass. You might have a backyard on fire. I'm not scared. Yeah. This is a good situation. Hey. We've got it totally under control. Yeah. So far, let's The, thing, you know, the we things we did when we grew up. Great that outdoor. Oh, yeah, yeah, we were outside on a gazebo. I'll get some, we'll get some photos and post them with the <laughs> – Post them with the podcast be, of where we're sitting at. Yeah, there for a minute I thought we were going to have video like that commercial with the she shed on fire. <laughs> she, she shed on fire. <laughs> Standing back. Time to get a new she shed. <laughs> I noticed this metal up here, but this looks awful new. You didn't steal any of these sheets of metal off that building. No, no, but I got some cool stuff out here. I've got that uh, horseshoe up there, and uh, Greg Faring, who is a bourbon barrel guitar, he makes. Guitars out of bourbon barrels. Uh, he gave that to my brother at Fonte's Coffee, and it ended up here because it just was right for here. There it you is. go. And he custom made that out of bourbon barrels. Nice. And then that uh, shelf, that's uh, like an 1800s like uh, piece of the wood there that uh, is in the center and is 1800s a barn that uh, Mike Franklin, my next door neighbor. Donated to this project, and then those are barrel staves. Barrel stave railing. Yeah, yeah, railing, and that's 25-gallon barrel signed by Russ Diculus, Dan Issel, and all the boys from the NBA that came out here and picked a barrel right here on this porch. Nice. And wow. the reason that I built the place, to get outside, I didn't have a place that I could go outside when it was raining and when it was inclement weather, and so I put in a tasting bar, which is right behind you guys, out of teak, that you could sit there and do flights and tastings and uh and then a place to have dinner over in the corner so yeah it uh, it was thought out to be we had like 20 guests with that nba pick and everybody was comfortable and it was a nice, a nice day this is nice. a perfect little this place is. Yeah, this is you. great i mean you're in the i mean louisville's right there but you feel like you're i mean we're all from the country you kind of feel like you're in the country sitting here i mean, exactly. I mean the houses yep. are right here but this is well, just when a little... you gave me the address i'm like i look on a map i'm like and I look at the pictures Two on Facebook, I'm like, how in the world is this there? Yeah. 
But yeah, literally, I mean, you can stand up and see Louisville, but yeah. you know, it feels like you're out in the country here, and awesome. you don't hear nothing. It's quiet. No, it's quiet. So I want to hear a little more. So a little more of the history of Yellowstone and how it ended up back in Beam's hands at Limestone Branch. Okay, so uh, Steve wanted to have a brand that was uh, of family history, and uh, Yellowstone was the perfect fit because it had ran through both sides of his family. And uh, in the time that we were making moonshine, we were surviving. We could have survived the whole thing and continued on with a small micro distillery making moonshine. Would have been a small staff. Wouldn't have been as big as it was. We had a decent distribution. And... Uh, but he, he wanted it to be a little bit bigger. Um, he wanted to get into bourbon as a beam would. And uh, the writing was on the wall. A little cash infusion would be a, a big step toward getting there. And uh, that was the opportunity that he reached out. He said, Stephen, uh, make me an appointment up there in St. Louis. And uh, I made the phone call up there. And, and he and his brother Paul went up to talk to him about finances and brands and everything i was out on the road doing work so i didn't go with that trip but he met with don lux and you know what it made sense yellowstone the passion behind it was in the beam family and by gosh if he partnered with the distillery then that passion and that brand would have a whole different significance and Mr. Beam took it to the level of actually getting the yeast strain out of the donut jug of minor case beam. And all of the Yellowstone bourbon that we make through our stills is done with minor case beams yeast strain. How freaking cool is that? That is that's great. Cool. That is, I mean, that's one of the things with bourbon is the amazing thing is some of these yeast strains are, you know, 100 years plus old. You know, I've heard stories like MGB in, in Lawrenceburg, they've got some of the yeast strains there from way, way back from different distilleries and that makes a big difference in the in the taste also is you know the different yeast so. it does yeah. ask dr patrick heist actually we're going to do that neighbor wilderness trail <laughs> distillery i like him a lot he is a huckleberry uh dr patrick heist uh took the dna off the jug and matched it to a current yeast strain and firm solutions his cryogenic laboratory it was a Damn near 100% genetic match. If it wasn't 100%, it was close, which tells us that it was minor case beams yeast from 100 years right. ago. And that's why I call Patrick Engine. It's a Jurassic Park joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they are. Uh, and then you got all the woods and different characteristics, and Beam is very specific about what he wants done with his liquor. And, uh, you know, he has his uh, barrels toasted and then three charred after the toast. Yeah, I sat on the tasting panel with Independent Steve and Andrew Webrink and uh, tasted through some different spiral cup barrels and different things. And uh, so those things are important, using, uh, using the white corn. And we used white corn for, uh, for the majority of this time with Yellowstone. Uh, so it had been a blend. It's been a blend of another distillery rectified juice and a blend of what our distillery produced. And uh, it gives it a complexity that most bourbons would aspire to have. That's why I call Yellowstone Select my daily driver. It's two <laughs> hours and 40 minutes a day spending on the road to do the damn job. When I get home here to the Little Havana Tasting Bar and Lounge, I do two fingers daily. 
Gilman Home Centers with 14 locations in Indiana and Ohio is your one-stop shop for all your ice melt needs. They got you covered. We got snowy weather. They got shovels. They've got ice melt. They've got it all there. Do you have a wood pellet stove by any chance? Somerset Wood Pellets. Some of the best wood pellets on the market. In fact, I'll say they are the best since I use them. Gilman Home Centers. That's all they have. Somerset Wood Pellets. Gilman Home Centers. You can check them out on the web at gilmanshomecenter.com for the nearest location to you. There are times in your life when you just need to relax. The best place to do it in Brookville, Indiana is Tranquility Massage by Shelly. Located at 440 Main Street in Brookville, Indiana. Let her take all your troubles away. Shelly is a licensed massage therapist. Check out her specials leading up into Christmas gift certificates. Buy two, get one free. That's right, Tranquility Massage by Shelly at 440 Main Street, or you can call her at 765-309-1478. Tranquility Massage by Shelly. We all know there's nothing like that taste of fresh honey. It's pure as can be, all natural. Check out Hoosier Creek Farm right outside of Brookville, Indiana. You can find them on Facebook at Hoosier Creek Farm. Learn a little bit about beekeeping, what it takes to get that fresh honey. Remember, how do you know it's pure honey if you don't know the beekeeper? Hoosier Creek Farm. Proud to be one of our sponsors at Cross the Line 1524. Sounds like a good plan. Keep yourself immersed in the subject. That's right. You got got to do your homework. That's right. Got to make sure it's still good. Mm -hmm. So Limestone Branch Distillery doesn't just do bourbon, right? Oh, his passion was his plants. What do you do with a Purdue University graduate with a master's degree in horticulture, (laughs) landscape architecture, and all that good stuff? Uh, I know it's a master's degree in landscape architecture, and he took horticulture. Uh, well, you plant stuff. And if you go to Limestone Branch Distillery, I, you know, back in the old days, Yellowstone Distillery down at 7th, they didn't have a lot of plantings, but they called it the gar- Yellowstone Gardens on the bottle, the Yellowstone Gardens. Truly it is. The Gardens of Limestone Branch. And the distillery could change its name, for all I care, to the Gardens of Limestone Branch. Because yeah. Mr. Beam has put a lot of passion into that property. When you look around and you look at all the trees that he's planted and all the bushes and all the shrubs and everything, that all the exotic plants that grow on that property you've never seen before in your life, it's pretty damn cool to yep. see all that. Well, while in that whole process, he was thinking about his passion project, Named it after his grandmother, Kathleen Dant Bowling. And he named it after those Birch sisters that got married in your Airbnb. Bowling and Birch. That's his passion project. 19 different botanicals in that gin right there. That's more botanicals than Colonel Holland Sanders had spices in his chicken recipe. <laughs> Leave it to the Colonel. Colonel Beam. And that's what I was going to say. They make a really good gin as well as bourbon. Uh, my wife's a gin person, and so uh, when we were down there, we, we uh, got some of that, and, and this hands down, it's her favorite gin at this, this Prettiest time. damn bottle in the liquor industry. It is good liquor And that bottle. is painted on botanicals on the back, and when you flip it around, it is three-dimensional. 
That's gross top on the top, resealable. People are going to buy it for that bottle. Yep, They're going to yeah. buy it again for the wonderful flavor profile of Mr. Beam's New World Gin. Why do you call it a New World Gin when it's done like a London Dry? Wants through the column with all the different botanicals layered in in a specific layering. Why do you call it a New World Gin? He's got a rotovap up in his office, a glass laboratory kit that he takes extracts off of all 19 different botanicals. When it doesn't show enough lemon verbena, he adds it back in. That's a New World Gin. So it's extremely consistent. And it's 51% juniper, which makes it a gin, because you got to be at least that, and that's what it is. Again, minor case sherry cast rye is 51% rye, just over the cusp of being a rye. Again, something extraordinary as an introduction to gin, as an introduction to rye. You've got the base just covered, and then the rest of it is artisan craftsmanship like a beam could only do. Well, and I think it, it, you're talking about that and, and, you know, his passion for the plants, and it's more of a love. It's not just – he's not just producing – you know, he's not just producing gin to sell. A bunch this of that his, botanicals is off of our property. Right. Yeah, I right. mean, and that's – he's putting his heart and soul into that, and he's bringing his family history into it. So there's more there's The rest more of those botanicals are at the Southern White House right now, his house in Florida. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say in Kentucky. Well, you guys had a little bit of snow yeah. and ice through there. He took them up and took them with him. Yeah, he took them with two chows and a cat and drove all the way to Florida <laughs> with two chows, a cat, and all the botanicals that wouldn't survive through the winter down to Florida to put them in his sunroom in Florida yeah, to that, keep them growing. Not yeah. a passion. And then he yeah, brings that, them back is. and replants them so that when you come through the distillery tour, you can see all 19 different botanicals that are grown right. in Bowling and Birch Gin in our botanical garden. I mean, that's what I mean. That's more of a, of a love for the product than uh, just trying to make a product. You know, there's a difference yeah. between making something to sell and, and putting your heart and soul into it to make it. Everything it he's ever right. done is his heart and soul. Right. Yeah. We were fortunate enough for the weekend. We were down there again that he was there on site. Yeah. His chows were there on site and we got to witness him out looking over. Nice rescue. Chow rescue. Case. Named after minor Case Beam. Case, his chow-chow, asked me to stop over in Indiana. said, I got another dog I think I want to adopt. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know who takes care of his dogs when he's traveling? <laughs> I do. I was like, okay. Yes, boss. <laughs> so I dropped by over in, near Columbus, Indiana, at an animal rescue, and this dog was beating itself to death to get to me. Just hitting that damn chain link fence and it's in a cage. The lady said, you really want me to open that door? I said, if he bites me, he ain't going home with us. So open the door. He came out and threw his paws around me and was like, dude, please take me out of here right now. And then he took me for a walk. He's an 80-pound chow. He took me for a walk all around the place. Most wonderful, playful, completely He's a Labrador in a chow suit. I guarantee you there's a zipper on that dog somewhere. Uh, talk to us about your dog. Oh, Louis Two Licks? Yes. He's my favorite. Took he's, me three times before I adopted him. He's so a guard dog, too. He's pretty good. I'm teaching him to, to bark at anybody that's a crackhead walking down the street here. You know, I live in downtown Louisville. <laughs> 
was, well, he was barking at us. So what's that? I mean, what? Well, I mean, he hasn't picked them out yet. He doesn't know for sure who they are. He just barks at them. Right and I'm all right with it. Oh, Shotgun in the closet. Just letting you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Louie uh, was Chase Hall's dog. And Chase is, uh, was the United States Navy. And uh, Chase came to me uh, in, a, in an interim kind of a lull in his career. And he had Boxer, Teddy, and he had Louie. And he was in a situation, and I helped him out. And I do that. That's what I think you do in the world. You help people out. You're not here for a long time. You're here for a short time. And, and you're judged on what you do while you're here. Yep. So help people out when you can. And I was helping him out. I gave him the keys to my truck. He drove my truck for quite some time and uh, stayed here at the house and uh, his two dogs. He had a place for Teddy to go to his grandmother's house, but he did not have a place for Louie, and he asked me three times to take Louie. I said, I can't take Louie. I'm a national brand ambassador. I'm traveling in planes all over the world, United States, all over the United States. I'm in Chicago sometimes. I'm in New York sometimes. I'm not here much. I can't have a dog. He said, Stephen, he's a service dog. I said, yeah. What did that mean for me? <laughs> he said, I can get him transferred into your name. And so Louie was, I had to go through a doctor. I had, well, the time I got back out of the doctor, they said, I don't know anybody that needs a service dog more than you do, <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, I did. I didn't realize it as much as I, but, uh, yeah, he's made a, a huge impact and difference in my life. And I told Beam on the third time when Chase told me I found a place for Louie, I said, no, you haven't. Louie adopted me right there on that chair. He was sitting in my lap when he told me right across from me that he had found a place out in Shelbyville. He was going to take Louie and drop him off. And that was who's going to take care of him. I said, no, no, they're not. He's already adopted me. Louie is my spirit animal. Look at him. He loves me. Yep. Yeah, and, he uh, does. and that's where, uh, that's where Louie became part of this. And I called Beam, the first person I called, and said, I just adopted Louie. The dog. Oh, great. <laughs> kind of like I did with Case. Yeah. Oh, great. I said, I'm going to be bringing him to the distillery daily. He's my service dog. And they, he said, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he's an incredible ambassador. He sits in, yeah. the, in the entrance and visits with everybody that comes in that distillery. He is so gentle. He's the most gentle-spirited animal I've ever met in my life. And, uh, and the kids love him. And the people love him. And, uh, yeah, he's just been – and I take him out on the road. I just went down to the Stubborn German, and uh, we had 150 people in that place if we had a, a person. And he sat there with his paws crossed, sniffing on people, checking out where they've been. Other than that, that's it. He just is a great ambassador. Good deal. Yeah, Good he, let, deal. he let you know we were here, but other than that, he's been quiet yeah, right, yeah. right now. Great yeah. dog. Once he knew you were, you he he he'd bark. It was funny. He just he'd tell bark. me you were here. Yeah. He'd bark. He looked back. He looked back at us. Yeah. <laughs> he's just waiting yeah. for Dad to get out here. Are All you right, coming? <laughs> you got to get out Do here. I There's keep people's barking? out. Yeah, I got to find out where they've been. Where they uh, if they got any smells on them, like from other dogs, and if they have any crumbs left from whatever they ate. That's his whole. He's an investigation dog. There you go. <laughs> So Chase Halls is now in the United States Navy. He left the Marine Corps and went into the Navy. 
and he's an, an or, he's an ordnance specialist, and I'm so proud of what he's doing. His little brother was just here. His little brother just upped into the Navy, and uh, he's in basic training right now. Corey Halls. And so I keep uh, keep touch with both of them and take care of the grandma while they're gone. Well, thank them for All their right. service. Absolutely. Absolutely. I do daily. So we're going to take a short break. I need to stretch out a little bit. When we come back, I want you to talk a little bit about the challenge coins. Absolutely. We'll be right back. I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. Jeff Montague. Mike Gardner. And our special guest... Stephen Fonte. We'll be right back. Are you tired of hearing the same old songs over and over on the radio? Every single hour, the same tune? Well, it's time for something different. Check out Hometown Radio USA. The best independent music, hits from yesterday, hits from today, podcasts, and so much more. Hometown Radio USA, you can find it on the web at www.hometownradiousa.com or at the App Store or on Google Play. Hometown Radio USA, reimagining radio and coming to you in your hometown. Obviously, there's more to come. This was just part one of a podcast with Mr. Stephen Fontaine. He is the bourbon ambassador for your Yellowstone Bourbon, which comes from Limestone Branch Distillery. He is a wealth of knowledge, and not only bourbon, but distilling, different distilleries. You heard the history of the dance. You heard the history of the beams. And there's so much more to come in upcoming episodes. As usual, if you like our podcast, first of all, let somebody else know about it. That's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. Then leave us a five-star rating or a positive comment on what ever podcast app you use do you have a suggestion for a podcast topic or someplace we need to go visit talk to somebody let us know you can email us at podcast at cross the line 1524.com or leave us a message on our facebook page cross the line 1524 so for Dwayne bischoff jeff montag reuben hunt our special fill-in host mike gardner and myself alan stanger you've been listening to cross the line 